of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When you read this scripture again, if you grew up in church, you probably remember singing church songs about this, or you remember the flannel board. Anybody remember the flannel board growing up? The beloved flannel board. I see those nods. Bless your hearts, okay? But I love the flannel board. I used to help when I was a kid pull all the pieces out of the flannel, all the, when they'd come in those little packs of squares, and I'd undo it for mom as she was getting ready for Sunday school, and we got the flannel board ready. And I loved the full armor. It was so exciting. I even had one of those little action figures that I got from the Christian bookstore. They used to have those. Now they have Amazon, and that's it. You have nothing else anymore. It's just Amazon, okay? But I remember the little action figure I had with the full armor of God, my little Roman soldier. See, this was something that the people of that day could identify with. They could look around and see Roman soldiers everywhere. Therefore, they could say, yeah, Paul, I know what you're saying here when you talk about someone that is suited up with the full armor. I get this. This makes sense. But there's so much more than the armor. There's a war that's happening, like I said before. We hear about it a lot in the Old Testament, but New Testament's a totally different war. It's a different type of war. It's a war that's raised against, raged against our lives, and it is a spiritual war in nature. See, we're going to focus on 10 through 12 today. The first part of that portion of Scripture, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Right? Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So often we think it is but the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We're dealing with the enemy and all that he has. How many of you can already identify in your life and you can say that, you know, I feel like I've been in a spiritual fight. I feel like it's not me against people. I feel like it's me and and something much greater, much stronger, much deeper than before. I know what it feels like to be spiritually connected to God, but I also know what it feels like to be, be spiritually attacked. It's not weird. It's not fruit loopy. It's real life. It's real. How does it show up in your life? Maybe it's anxiety. Maybe it's stress. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's fear. You know, these attacks that the devil puts against you, okay? It's hard and it's real. This is real life and it does not change with age. You don't grow out of this stuff, right? Remember when I was a kid, I had some asthma things, you know? Well, he'll just grow out of it. And I did. But the enemy's schemes against my life have not changed since I was a child. See, he knows how much God has set for your life. He knows the dreams that God has for you. He knows that God has planned greatness for you, that you're going to be someone that will redeem this world unto him as well as you go out and share your light. Therefore, he attacks. It makes sense, doesn't it? It makes perfect sense. The week before we left the old foundry, I really felt like we, we effectively drew a target on all of our backs. And it's funny. I, I knew we were taking more ground for the kingdom. And also the enemy knew that as well. And I have felt even the last couple weeks more of a punch, like getting a shot in the kidneys. Because we're doing something greater. I know that. And it's not me. It's not our leadership team, it's us, the church in Morgantown. It's you and your workplace. It's you and your school. It's you and your home that is wanting to take ground for the Lord. Therefore, the devil's schemes are greater. So we know how he rolls. We know that he fights dirty. And we know that he is someone that we have to battle with. But a lot of times, it's not just about who he is. It's about us as well in the process. 
See, 1 Peter 5, 8, your enemy, I like, to, I like to make mention of this real quick, your enemy, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And you feel that. How many of you guys are cat fans here? We know how this is going to go. You know, I grew up, and I, I'm scarred from it. I admit it. All my feline friends out here, we've talked about it before. You've asked me why. I just don't like cats too much. Well, there was this, this one. All it takes is one. One bad cat. His name was Kit Man. All right, Kit. The Kit Man. That's what my brother named him. And I swear, he looked just like Church. You remember Church from uh, Pet Cemetery? He looked just like him because that's when it came out at that time. And you know what he did? You know what he did? That little Kit Man of the devil, that little spawn of Satan, would sit at the top of the steps and wait just above, I mean, just below the top step. And he would wait for you to come by. Wait! I mean, wait. And as soon as we'd start to walk by, you know, right at you, I mean, teeth, claws, everything, right in every part of your leg, face, it didn't matter. Like a rabid cat. This thing was tough. Didn't like him much, and it kind of scarred me. I got to be real. I'm more of a dog, man. Scarred me. Our enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, a little different. A roaring lion. See, when we look at this, this enemy as a roaring lion, all he has is his roar. We're going to get to this more later. But all he has is his roar. See, when you actually study those big feline friends, when they get older, what happens to their teeth? They begin to fall out. Okay? We see that, even in the smaller ones, like Kitman. I wish they would have fallen out a lot earlier. They begin to fall out. And all that that line has left is his roar. So what happens when the lion roars? Us, the prey, begin to scatter. But where do we go? We run in any direction, any direction possible. But what the enemy does is he sets other little kitties at prey at a perimeter. So that when you start to run, those are the ones that have the teeth. Those are the ones that have the amazing claws. Those are the ones that are waiting to sink their teeth, their claws, everything into you. See, he roars around like, he <laughs> prowls around like a roaring lion. See, we got to understand that the enemy, this enemy who is fighting against us, he's already someone that doesn't have a bite. He's already someone that is defeated, right? But what we got to do is watch out for the little cats, Right? And a lot of times it's not him that we have to worry about so much, but it's us in here. It's in here that's so important. Okay? And how do we do this? How, how do we move in the right direction? It starts with sound biblical approach. Okay? We have to have a sound biblical approach. Romans 8, 35 through 39, you'll see this, talking about who shall separate us from the love of Christ. No persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, or sword. Right? We are more than conquerors. So we got to get some understanding here in the right mindset here. Number one, that we're more than conquerors. But also, that in this world, get this in your mind, John 16, that you will have trouble, which we all experience, but that he's overcome the world. This is something that we got to get from Scripture first. But also, that we have abilities over these unseen forces, and understanding that we would even be able to put hands on the sick and that they would be healed, that we see 
there in Mark 16, but also in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5. I love this. This is so important. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On contrary, they have the divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive Every thought, so important, to make it obedient to Christ. Isn't this hard to do sometimes for us to be one who is taking things captive versus being one who feels like we've been taken captive? Listening to the roar, finding ourselves in the jaws and the paws of the little lions, the ones that are actually harming your life. We have to put ourselves in the right place, understanding because the one who is in you is greater than the one in the world, John 4, 1 John 4, 4, and also Matthew 16, 18. This understanding that we talked about in the church is setting about Christ building his church upon what? The confession of Peter. We have to put ourselves in the right place so that when we hear the roar, we don't run to the little lions. We stop dead in our tracks and say, You're someone that has nothing on me. You're already someone that is defeated. So we go back to scripture. We have to have this. You see that in Hosea 4, 6, that we're destroyed for a lack of knowledge, knowing who we are. So what do we have to know this morning in order to fight? In order to start even putting on the armor of God, there's some things you have to know. I don't know if you guys can identify with this, but when I'm in tough seasons of life, And I don't feel like God is present. Anybody ever been there? Be honest. It's okay. All of you should feel that way at one point or another. When you don't feel like God is present, you have to go off what you know and what you've experienced before. Life's difficult. And it throws hardship at all of us in many different ways, in many different areas, and all different types of things. All you have sometimes is what you know. That's it. I don't wake up every morning and feel warm fuzzies about life. There's some mornings I wake up and I don't want to wake up. I want to go back to bed. Anybody can I get some amens on that? Like maybe finals week or maybe, you know, parents, your, your children's come back from college and you're like, wow, that was so peaceful before. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> or maybe that new baby that comes into the house or something like that. We have to go off what we know. So what do we need to know? Number one is this, you have to know your foe. You have to know your foe. Remember we talked earlier about the enemy and his schemes and and all that he, he is and what he tries to do. But sometimes the greatest foe is us, the person in the mirror. See, we give the devil too much credit. We we say, Did you hear that roar? Did you see how big he was? And then sometimes we need other people to come and be like, Yo, sis, he didn't have any teeth. Actually, his claws were, his little, his little nails were gone because of all the fights that he'd been in before. He's, he's nothing. You're your biggest foe right now. You're your biggest enemy yourself because you're not believing that God can do it again. You're not believing that God is able. You're allowing that roar to lead you over to these smaller little lines, which are the ones that will actually devour you. Our biggest foe is ourselves. It's our minds. It's our flesh. Rick Renner, who we got a lot of this study out of, who um, really is a New Testament scholar, 
who looked at, um, at, at this portion of Scripture and, and created a book called Dress to Kill. It's great. He said, the truth is the devil's attacks against our lives wouldn't work if our flesh didn't cooperate. Think about that. But I'm just so tempted. I'm so tempted. For me, guys, I got to be real with you. I got to be real with you. I love to eat. Man, I love to eat. You know, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not addicted to, to, to other things like folks, you know, you hear of. But I love me some food. I love me some food. And it's funny, as soon you're like, well, you don't, it's, it's, I'm, I'm trying to walk around a lot. A new building will help you with that. More steps in a day. But when something crazy happens in my life, what do I want? Not just any food. Give me something sweet. Anybody with me on that? Got a sweet tooth? Man, every night before I go to bed, give me the cereal. I love me some cereal. Love me some cereal. Last night I tried to be good and I ate cornflakes with a banana. It was natural sweetener, okay, with fat-free milk, all right? I'm, I'm turning over a new leaf. Drinking just black coffee without all kinds of sugar and cream in it, okay? Trying to speed up the metabolism. I like to eat. And I get so tempted at points. You're like, this is stupid. No, it's real. My dad died at 48 from heart problems. It's real. I've got to take care of myself. I have a choice. Do I want to grab the sweetest, greatest thing around besides Kara? (laughs) Shameless plug. No shame at all. Or do I want to go for, for, used to be Fruity Pebbles, but Cap and Crunch with Crunch Berries. Wow. A moment just then. Who am I going to blame in that moment? Well, the devil made me grab Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. I was defenseless. I heard a loud roar and I ran to the Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. No. It's me. And if my flesh gives in, my spirit follows along with it. And it's so important for us to stop it at the flesh level. You can because he's a defeated foe. He's just a lion with a loud roar. It's not him that you have to fear. It's the tiny little kittens that are around him with those really, really sharp teeth that don't know how to handle themselves yet. That's what you have to be afraid of, if anything, in life. Not him, but them, us, ourselves. So what do we do? 2 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Come on. He is in you. Unless, of course, you fail the test. Examine yourselves. Look deep within. Be honest with yourself and say, is this me? Is this him? Is this God? Examine everything in this way. What's going on right now? Last few months have been pretty busy for us. All right, I get a little stressed, a little overwhelmed, not bad stress, but just overwhelmed. And when you start to feel stuff, you got to stop and say, what's really going on right now? Let me examine myself in this situation and see what's really going on and how I should respond to it. Let's pass the test and not fail it. Examine oneself. Second, know who to fear. So much of our lives we live in fear of the devil, scared everywhere you turn that the devil's going to get you. The devil's going to get me. He's going to pull me into this. He's going to do that to me. 
Like he's that line around every corner, like that little small cat named Kit Man that's sitting at the top of the steps. I swear I don't like steps because of him, okay? It's real. It's real. Proverbs 9, 9 through 12, instruct a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a righteous man and he will add to his learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord and knowledge of who he is and what he did. For through me, through me, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer the fear of the Lord. Who holds eternity in his hands? Not the enemy. God. So it's a holy reverence and fear towards the one that holds everything. Not to the one that acts like he has everything under control in our lives. He's just a roaring lion. The third thing is this, know how to fight. Back in Roman culture, there was this palestra where they would go in and fight with the games. And there was this one that was kind of like an MMA fighting. And it was like fight to the very end. It was to death. You know, you didn't get out unless you died or you won, okay? It was one of these types of fights. And it's so important for us that we have to know how to fight the good fight. The, the folks of that day would understand this fight because they would look to the palestra and see this competition ring that folks would fight in. Paul's telling us, and we also see it in Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, 12, to fight the good fight. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that there's always a way out through him. When we die to self, we get a way out through him. Philippians 2, 9 through 11, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Knowing how to fight. Quick story on this too. It comes back to cereal. Doesn't it all come back to cereal in my life? All of it. I remember as a kid, and you guys have probably heard this story before, but I love this story because it's just so simple, and I've seen it work in other people's lives too. Cereal, it'll change your life. I'm kidding. But I remember when I was a kid, I'd have a reoccurring nightmare. You may have already catch on to this. I used to have this reoccurring nightmare when I was a kid that I was running, okay? I was running, and I was running, and I was running, and I was running because I was afraid. What was I afraid of, Jenny? No, I was afraid. <laughs> no, I was afraid because there was a vampire chasing me. Not just any vampire, Count Chocula. Did anybody remember Count Chocolate when you were a kid? They did all the commercials and stuff. I was scared to death of him. You know, I was scared to death because I don't like chocolatey cereal. I like, don't cast stones upon me and just send me out into the street. <laughs> Blasphemer! Doesn't like chocolate cereal. But I remember I was running in this dream. I was running in this dream. And I heard this verse when I was a kid, you know, and I was like, well, maybe that'll work. I turned around, in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. And all of a sudden, Count Chocula turned into a bowl of cereal. No, he just, boom, vanished. And it was so simple and so silly as a kid. But even in my dreams, I realized, now in real life, I wasn't calling on him enough. But even in my dreams, I realized that when I would call on the name of Jesus, it changed the atmosphere of my life. And I remember telling my son this, and this is what's really cool. He's even said, Dad, sometimes I'll be having bad dreams. And I'll say, in the name of Jesus, leave me alone. 
He said, Dad, it'll stop. I said, boy, that's so cool. Isn't that great to know that Jesus is with you even in that celestial moment of your life, but even in those moments? See, we have to know how to fight. So often we want to get combative. We want to yell. We want to do all these types of things. We want to fend for ourselves. We want to put on our own armor. We want to do our own thing. But the only way you'll be able to win is through Jesus. When you say his name, there's no name above his name. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There's no way to the Father but through him. The only way we're going to make it is through him and what he did. That was the redemptive work, and that is how we're to fight. So if you're struggling with something, pull out that Achilles heel of the enemy and say, Jesus. And all of a sudden, he'll cringe because he knows all I've got is a roar. All I've got is nothing. You know what I mean? Last thing is this, know how to be free. Know how to be free. Worship team, you guys can start making your way up. So our last stop on the journey is truly knowing how to be free. It's funny to think in the conversations that I have with people daily, they can be 80 years old or they can be 30 years old. They can be 13 years old. But I watch with these conversations that I have with people that there's still issues of bondage within their life even from their childhood. Struggles that they've had, you know, things that have overwhelmed them and things that have held them back that they just feel that they're bound to, that it's always going to be this way. A good friend of mine was adopted at a young age and he's in his 80s and shares of how hard that was for him and the homes that he grew up in. And the situations that he endured, he even came to West Virginia University, which was pretty cool. But I remember sitting with him, and this was back, back, man, probably five years ago at that point as I sat with him, and I looked in his eyes, and I could still see the hurt within that he'd carried for decades. And all I wanted for my friend, a great friend, okay, I was in my early 30s, and he's in his, his late 70s, almost 80s then, my good friend, I was challenged that he was still carrying things that was holding him back. To realize who he really was supposed to be in the Lord, even then. And still a great friend of ours. But I watched this time and time again, and, and I want us to, to know how to be free. How do we do that? 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. You have to know who came to destroy that work that's even within you. You have to know Jesus intimately. You will not be able to make it without him. You got to know that he's in you. You got to know that when you say, Lord, come into my life, live within me, that he's going to help you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He will always be with you, but also that he has destroyed the work of the enemy. So often, again, the person in the mirror is the foe. We pull out the work of the enemy that we kept in the back closet of our lives, and we set it on the shelf again. And daily, we remind ourselves of who we were 
versus looking in that mirror and daily reminding ourselves of who he made us to be. I know it sounds kind of weird, but you've been washed by the blood of the lamb. What that means is that sacrificial blood of Christ that flowed from Calvary washed away your sins because they used to have to, to kill a lamb to atone for sin. And its blood would atone, which means take away your sin. But Jesus did that once and for all to take away your sins so that you could be free. But then he came back so that you could live with him forever too. So you got to understand that you are free. You're free, Colossians 2.15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Not just that you're free, but that your life will be a positive public spectacle, but the enemy's work that was in your life will be a public, public spectacle that it is no more. See, we are living epistles. What does that mean? A letter. Epistle is a letter. We are living letters for God. And as we do life within our community, people read it every single day. Do they know that you're free? Do they know that you're more than a conqueror? Do they know that you even know that you're your own foe? Are you real with yourself? Are you real with others? Because I guarantee you that you will find yourself in a difficult situation where you don't necessarily feel, you know he's there, but you don't feel the presence of God. And you have to go back to what you knew before. So this morning, close yourselves in with me. Close your eyes for just a second. And this is that moment of self-transparency. As I've read scripture today, the Holy Spirit of God may have you know, touched your heart like you felt something just gently touch your heart, give you a little tug in your spirit or, or something changed a little bit in you and he said, hey, 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 that's for you. He, he may have said that like, you're struggling with this fight because you're trying to fight it on your own. He may have said that like, you're, you're fearing the, the wrong person. Your fear should be reverence towards God and understanding of his power and majesty not fear of a defenseless, toothless lion who only has his roar. Yes, he's always on the prowl, but all he has is his roar. Maybe God's spirit touched your heart in that moment and said that you shouldn't have fear. Or maybe he, he touched your heart and he said, you know, hey, you have to know how to fight. You've, you've tried to do it on your own. You've tried to reason. You've tried to influence You've tried your own way, but you, you, you never lead first with the name of Jesus before you. Maybe you need to call on his name more in this way. Or last, you may feel like my friend who has carried bondage for years, the oppression of the enemy, and you want to be free. We have to start in our heart before we can begin to clothe our bodies. We have to make sure our heart is healthy, that we know this art of war before we begin to pick up anything or suit up with anything. If your heart is not healthy, your life will not be. Your fight will be in vain. It's the art of war. So ask yourself this morning, have I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Number one. 
Have I said, Jesus, I accept what you did on the cross as a forgiveness of my sins moment. But also, ask yourself this. Am I truly free? Am I one who walks in freedom today? Do I know that I am free? Lord, we thank you this morning that we have an opportunity to come before you. That we have an opportunity, Lord, to reach out to you and ask for help. That, Lord, you're teaching us, you're teaching us how to live. You're teaching us how to be free, to learn how to be free, and to know how to be free when we don't feel like we know anything, we don't feel anything. You're teaching us the art of war is dependence upon you.